He wants you to move forward. And so we're moving forward too. We're starting a new series today. We are going through the book of John. I don't know how many times I have said, anytime anyone has given their life to the Lord, I say, you need to start in the book of John. And so what I decided that we as a church, we're going to be going through the book of John, and here's what I encourage you do. So I'm not going to preach verse by verse out of the book of John, but I'm going to preach passage by passage. You guys kind of know what I'm saying? You get the, you're going to get every theme of the book of John as we're going through. But as we're going through, I encourage you to read it. And we're going to be bringing out a schedule, but I can tell you that for the next three weeks, you can focus on John chapter 1. Does that sound good to you guys? For the next three weeks, you can focus on John chapter 1. And this series is going to take the better part of six months. But I know... The very essence of John, and the reason that we're going through it, is to reveal Jesus and his function. Now today, as we open up the Word, and you can go ahead and open up there, John chapter 1, verse 1. John starts clear back at the beginning by calling Jesus the Word. You ever heard someone called that before? The word, that's just, it, it, it seems kind of odd, but older ones, you, you here in the room, you will remember there was a day, maybe not for the younger ones in the audience, but the older ones here, you might remember a day where someone gave you their word and that meant something. If they give you their word, you can, you can count it as something that they will follow through on. You didn't need a notary. You didn't need any contract in order for them to give you their word. You didn't need any penalty or lack of follow through. There was a time where giving your word was enough. Amen. Have you ever told someone, I give you my word, and they say, I want that in writing? You know, that's happened to me before. Maybe, maybe when you've sold something or bought something or promised you would do something for somebody. And it can be so easy for us to be offended the moment they say, well, I want that in writing. Because right away, we're thinking, okay, they don't trust me. They don't trust me. But we don't realize how they are viewing life through past experience and hurt on people who haven't followed through and been true to their word. Amen? So maybe for you this morning, if, I, if, if you give your word, or if I give my word to you, you might hold it in value because you know me. Maybe there's been things that you've walked with me through and you've seen me be true to my word, but there might be our world doesn't value when we say, I give you my word. It's because so many people don't uphold to it. Well, today in the Gospel of John, Jesus is described as the Word. And John means that Jesus is a, check this out, He is a perfect, spoken, reputable, upheld source. Let's read John chapter 1. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 14. Let's do this. In the beginning was the Word or in the beginning the Word, excuse me, already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning. Everyone say beginning. beginning. 
He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you. God, there's times where we can be so clouded by thought, so distracted by everything going on, and Lord, your word calls us back to the beginning. And so, God, I pray that we understand exactly who Jesus is for us, why you sent him, and, God, what he means to us, that we should hold the appropriate value of what he's done in our lives. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So throughout this passage, Jesus is referred to as the Word. You might have even noticed the W in Word is capitalized. The Greek word that is used here is the word logos, and that's the name of my my message this morning is logos, which literally means God's spoken word. Everyone say spoken. So from there, John tells us about the word and and what what the word does he is god's communication to humanity he is god revealed to us can i get an amen Amen. so today i'm going to talk about three bold statements made about the word three bold statements made about the word and some things that we might not think about or attribute to jesus but the first is the word was in the beginning He was in the very beginning. Now on earth, everything has a natural start and stop point. So for instance, if you and I today, we are to accept there's life, we are also going to accept there's death, right? So things grow old, they naturally decay. Or take distance, for example. We know that if you start traveling west, eventually you're going to hit ocean, right? And then you say, well, pastor, I can hop in a boat and I can keep going. And then you're eventually, you're eventually going to hit land. And then if you go far enough or say, let's just take that out of the equation. Let's say, for instance, you are deciding you are going to travel on a plane and you're going to travel around the world. And you said, pastor, we're going to fly 35,000 feet and we're just going to see where it takes us. Well, it's eventually going to take you right back here. 
It's going to take you back to the starting point. Now, if you said, okay, pastor, I'll tell you what, me and, me and uh, Bill Gates, we got something going, or me and Jeff Bezos, we got something going, and we're flying into space, and we're just going to keep on flying, well, I got news for you. We have such a vast, expansive universe, you're going to just keep on going, and you're never going to stop, because it never ends, right? And here, we hear the word was in the beginning. And I ask, well, well, who's beginning? His or ours? And if Jesus was with God and he was God and God created time, we must look at this as a reference to the beginning of the starting point of creation. Our creation. Okay? So we can conclude, as far as we know, Jesus always has been. Jesus always existed. He was a part of the Godhead. He was there. You and I, we we look at our lives starting from the point of conception. Jesus always was. Conception on earth for Jesus was God doing a work through the Holy Spirit so that Mary could become pregnant. Those are two different things. He was God, became fully God, fully man, and then ascended as God. I can tell you it's difficult for our finite minds to not look at life with Jesus having no starting point, right? That can be difficult. But it goes on to say, the Word was with God, which means actively being beside Him. Actively being beside Him. But it also goes on to say, the Word was God. So a totally separate, working together with the Father as one. So Jesus is a part of the Godhead. He always existed. and He is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Can I get an amen? amen? See, the Old Testament revelation, it made revelation to Jesus as part of the Godhead. Jesus tells us in John chapter 5, verse 39, that the Old Testament testifies about him. And there was, constant, there was a constant veil of Jesus Christ that we can read about through the Old Testament. It starts at creation in Genesis 1.26, where God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Then it goes on, Jesus is uh, primarily revealed in two ways in the Old Testament. The first of which is through prophecy. Just a few references for you. I could not possibly list all 330-some. Genesis 49.10, he would be from the tribe of Judah. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13 he would receive King David's throne. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, he would be spat upon and beaten. Isaiah, all of chapter 53, he would be silent in the face of accusations. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, he would spend a season in Egypt. Zechariah 9, 9, he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey Then the Old Testament also reveals Jesus through 
what we call shadow. Jesus is revealed through shadow. I want you to listen to two specific verses that make reference to this. The first is in Hebrews 10.1. And I'm just going to read A. I'm going to read the first part of that verse. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. A dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. And then if you uh, read in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. There were people in the Old Testament throughout that, that were types of shadows of Jesus Christ. Joseph is a type of shadow of Jesus. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. We're not going there. Abigail, Job, Solomon. And then we also have New Testament comparisons to the Old Testament. Jesus compared with Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 being in the belly of a fish three days. In John 6, 32 through 33, Jesus was compared to manna. Romans chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus is compared to Adam. Hebrews 6, 18 compares Jesus to cities of refuge. Moving on, as we know, Jesus also, he's not just fully man he's fully God and as as a part of the Godhead Jesus has a specific function and it is revealed here at the beginning of first John that he has been God's spoken word and that word gives life amen that's the next thing the word gives life you know Jesus has spoken life since that beginning, as we referenced in John chapter 1, he has given life. Think about this. At creation, Jesus was always a part of the Godhead, right? We've talked about that. We've discussed that this morning. And so, all of creation of the universe and the earth, water, land, plants, and animals, Jesus was part of that speaking it. You guys catching me? Okay, I don't want to go too far off the reservation here. And so Jesus being God's spoken word, it is clear that God didn't create all this, what we just referenced there in Genesis chapter 1. Um, God didn't create that with his hands. It was spoken. You guys still following me? Okay. Because you'll see that if you go through Genesis chapter 1, you'll see God say, let there be light, and boom, there was light. Okay? And Psalm 33, 9, listen to what it says. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Jesus' role in that was the spoken word of God. Following me? But when God created man, it was different. He did it differently. God spoke, let us make man, but then he actively worked with his hands. He actively worked with his hands. Listen to Genesis 2.7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life 
into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. That word breath, it is translated in the Greek as pneuma. If you do not know, pneuma has a two-part function of that word. It means air, but it also means spirit. It also means spirit. So I want you to think about it like this. So the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all actively took part in the creation of man. Are you guys tracking this? Okay, this is cool. The Father was a part of this life-giving event. So was the Son, and so was the Spirit. They were all a part of it. So just on the merit of God giving us life, we should be grateful. But for God making man out of his pleasure and giving them life, that role in Jesus' life wouldn't stop. He would continue giving us life. And through his active work here on earth, he did that a couple ways. And one of the ones I, ways I want to talk about is life at reconciliation. So Jesus' role is spelled out here in John chapter 1. That he came to the earth. Listen to the reason in John 1.4. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. And I want to talk about that because I, I love, and, and I haven't even done it since I've been here, I love talking about the significance of light and darkness in Scripture. I find that absolutely fascinating, and you will find the New Testament is absolutely full of it. So is the Old Testament. In Jesus' life, it brings light to everyone. So Jesus, it's, he, he is the Word, but now it also says He is also the light. And it can be easy that we confuse these two things. Well, which one is He? Well, He's both. But if you were to study the Bible and, and contrast that light from, from darkness and, and the role of light, you will find light is God's active work revealed in you. So darkness is to remain hidden in sin and in Satan's deception. And Jesus' role as light is to reveal God to you. So when God is revealed to us, what we quickly discover is we are not God. And Jesus' role is to illuminate that truth to us. We are imperfect, we are flawed, and we need to change. But what that light offers is opportunity to change through Him. So Jesus was not only part of giving life at creation, but now we have a chance at spiritual life through Him. Through that spirit, that work of reconciliation. Who knows what reconciliation means? You and I. I already said it, so I'll just, I'll just connect all the dots for you. We're flawed people. God is perfect. And God makes a way because we severed the relationship at sin. We severed that relationship. God makes a way because he is perfect that we can go to him through his son who is perfect. 
So we are clothed in righteousness. These are, the, these are the clothes of Jesus Christ. This isn't the clothes that you can get down the street. I don't know what's down the street that way, by the way. It's probably not good. Don't, don't shop there. Um, but since creation, we've chosen sin. Man has chosen sin. And when we do, we separate ourselves from God. So now, Jesus revealed to us, offers us a new chance at true life, a spiritual life. And I want you to catch this. I cannot be fulfilled in hope, be fulfilled in purpose, until Jesus Christ has been revealed in me. If I want true hope, if I want true purpose, I need him because before him there is darkness, there is sin, there is death. But in him there is light, reconciliation, and life. See, so many, that this world thinks we understand life through the prism of our own bodies and the day of our birth. But we really have no clue because God formed you in his mother's womb and he gave you a spirit. He gave you a spirit that is not going to be destroyed. And upon that acknowledgement, that spoken word of Jesus Christ, that he is fully God, fully man, that he lived, that he died for you, what happens is we, come, we bring that spirit forth to life, true life in him, and that starts at reconciliation. Do you guys say amen? amen. Okay. Lastly, and I'm, wow, I'm flying here. This is great. Dennis, maybe I did take two Allegra. I don't know. It's for me and the Lord to know. The Word became human. The Word became human. See, a God becoming man. A God becoming man. Well, was he one or the other? He was both. He was both at the same time. And, and we hear that and we say he's fully God and fully man. You're like, well, I, I understand things through this. So, for instance, if you take, if you take an Italian and he marries, you know, he marries a Spaniard and they have babies together, they're 50% 50, right? No, that's not the way it works with God. God was 100% man. God was 100% God through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you guys following me? Okay, he was fully both. Because in the Greeks' understanding of, of God or gods, it is mind-blowing to think that Jesus' humanity and his divinity were complete, not partial. But they were complete. In our world, it, 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 our world compared to what God can do is pretty mundane, pretty simple. Because we're so fragile and it's, it's so hard to imagine accomplishing anything exceptional that breaks what we deem as natural law. But God chose to send Jesus for several reasons. One we already discussed to reconcile ourselves to him. The imperfect people need a perfect God. We need a perfect God. We need a standard. But another key reason is so that Jesus could sympathize with our weakness as human beings. He could come to this earth, live life as man, and sympathize with you and I. Think about it this way. Okay, none of us are God, right? Okay, so we can well establish that. But say you are. 
You are an all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect God. You have expectations. You have a set standard. God created us, gave us free will, wanted us to be just like him. So it could be difficult with you as God that every time your creation fails, oh, it's hard to sympathize with you. Why can't you guys get it right? Goodness, I don't have these problems. But we're not God. We're not God. Think about it this way. Have you ever developed or done something so naturally? You're so, maybe you're skilled at something exceptionally. That when someone else struggles with it, you're like, what's your problem? Why don't you get this right? Uh, I, I do have a problem where I'm kind of a jack of all trades and master of none, so I can, I can make it look like I really have it together with something pretty quickly. And I have a tendency to expect others to perform to that same standard. As a result, I was only my wife's guitar teacher for one session, and she decided to quit me. Okay? <laughs> Listen, God is perfect. His standard doesn't change or waver. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God doesn't make mistakes. Okay? But in giving us free will, the only way we could remain in his presence is if he provided a way for us to be cleansed of sin. So the significance of God becoming human is in our human weakness. We are birthed with a nature to sin. Think, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, that in our infancy, we show a selfishness that our hunger cannot wait five minutes. Think about it. Any infant you've ever been around, can't you just wait while I get all this stuff together so that you can eat? And we know that that baby is going to keep crying and keep crying and keep crying until it's fed. Jesus Christ was the almightiness of God in human form. The love of God beating in a human heart. The wisdom of God spoken from human lips. His mercy reaching forward from human hands. Jesus was God wrapped in human flesh. And he accomplished something none of us ever could. He was 100% human. 100% God. And he was sinless. There's a story that I've heard. A young girl's experiencing a thunderstorm in the middle of the night. It's a strong storm, and she gets all frightened and yells out for her dad, who's obviously, if you're like me, sleeping peaceful through that storm, because I love sleeping through a good storm. And she cries out, Daddy, help me. Save me. In a tired state, he says, God's with you. You'll be fine. Go back to bed. Next thing you know, that lightning crashes again and she screams out and his response was exactly the same. You'll be fine. Go back to sleep. But the girl responded, I know God is with me, but I can't see him or feel him. I need someone with skin on. Jesus was God with skin on. 
Jesus was God with skin on. He was God's visible expression to you. Are you guys catching this? Okay. So Jesus lived among us and he, he understood our weakness. So not only does he reconcile us to God, but Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ, he is our connection point and he bridges the gap between God and us. Can you guys say amen? So you and I, we have a representation of God in the form of Jesus. So the importance of knowing him, knowing how he operates, who he, who, what he says, I should say, who he says we ought to be should have the utmost importance in our lives. If you want to see God, look to Jesus. And here's the cool thing. He's inviting you to. He's inviting you to. It says in verse 14 that he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some translations say he was full of grace and truth. So in the day and age of fake news and false information on social media, people easily being swayed by an article on the internet, when we break it all down, we, can, we, we might say, where does the truth really lie in all this? And what it does is it creates a longing desire inside of us that we don't want to be lied to. We want to be given the truth no matter how much it hurts. But also through God, have the opportunity to be full. He, he is full of grace, so we have the opportunity to be loved no matter how much that truth might hurt. That was God's answer to you and his son Jesus. That he would be sent to earth to live and die for you. And he is. He is the answer you're looking for. Okay? He's the answer you're looking for. For many, Jesus is the answer to the question, but many people were expecting a different result. They were expecting a different answer. The Jews anticipated someone who would make themselves king on earth and rule over the nations and bring peace on earth. Many believe solutions for their hope in a modern day world might be winning the lottery, like God's going to help you with that or getting the right job, or finding the perfect spouse, that will solve all of your problems. But at the heart of everything, there's a void. And that void can only be filled by the man, the God, Jesus Christ, God's spoken word. That is God revealed to you through Jesus. See, there is no other way to God. It is Jesus Christ. And you and I, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm tired of being lied to. I'm tired of playing around. I'm tired of walking this mundane life. I need something life-giving. That's Jesus and you have an opportunity to, to, to come out from, from all the haze, the wilderness, everything that's going on. And you say, man, 
I want the truth in my life. I want God in my life. So if you could bow your heads. Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, man, you're singing my song, Pastor. I, I need, I need that life. I need Jesus. I need God's spoken word. And I feel by His Spirit, He's drawing me out. And if you're here today and you'd say, I, I want to choose Jesus. I want to choose to abandon everything else that is just, it's clouded who I am. It has not given me the truth. It's offered me lies. And I want to choose Jesus. I want to choose that truth. If that's you, would you look at me? Praise God. Praise God. Okay. Okay. God has you right where he wants you. He wants you to acknowledge that he is everything. And this earth, the things of it, doesn't offer you anything that gives true life. And you can be brought to life through the fullness of his spirit. And he can sympathize with what you've gone through. And he can bring you to God the Father and say, no God, they're one, they're, they're one of ours. They're clothed in me. And God can show you that there's a better way that this, than this world has ever offered you. And so in this room, we have people accepting Jesus. We have people who have served Jesus a long time. But it is clear that he is the horn of our salvation. He is what allows us to speak out and can continue to be God's spoken word through us. So we have people today that have already chose Jesus. We have people that are choosing Jesus. And if you say, Jesus is mine, I want you to stand to your feet. If you'd say, Jesus is mine today. Let's cry out to him. Let's surrender our lives to him, amen? Let's give him the glory that he deserves. Let's pray. Raise your hands up to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see all these that say, I choose your son, Jesus Christ. God, he was your spoken word from the very beginning. He was an active participant in our creation. You sent him down to this earth for us that God, he might reconcile us to you. He might also sympathize with our weakness. And God, we dedicate our lives to you. We say, Lord, the, 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 the cloudiness, God, the wilderness, those, the, I can't see the forest from the trees. God, I'm choosing to step out. I'm choosing to live in your truth and your grace, God. And I don't want to be drawn back to that other stuff that takes me away from you. So God, we recognize that it is by your spirit that we are revived, that we are given life. And God, may we be children of this light that has illuminated our lives and shown us and revealed to us this truth. 
Lord, I want to praise you and thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for all these people. And God, I pray that the revival, it doesn't start here in the church. The revival starts in the home. And that God, that when these people go out, Lord, they are seeking you in their homes. They're seeking you in in their word. And that God, instead of the TV being placed on the mantle, or maybe the urn being placed on the mantle, or something else that is tangible in their life, God, I pray that be torn down and Lord, that you will be placed on the mantle of the homes in this church. Lord, you will be the center. God, we praise you and we thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and Lord, we are just believing in a great revival to spring forth in these people. And we cry out for your Holy Spirit to come. Lord, the work that you are doing in our services, God, where we seek, we desire people be changed. Lord, that you will continue to stir hearts through the week so there's a longing expectation. I thank you, God. I praise you, Lord. We know you are good. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name.